everyone and welcome back to another episode of our customer focused selling podcast just wanted to start off and say thank you again for all the hard work that you guys are doing out there in the field really appreciate that you're taking time out of your drive today uh, to listen in and hear some tips some pointers we've talked a lot in the last two episodes about kind of marrying these social styles into the customer focused selling steps and I thought today would be a great chance to really kind of dig in depth the steps kind of one by one so I thought who better than Mike Dahlman to come on in and talk to us a little bit today about the first couple steps kind of his experiences with it what's worked well for him what hasn't worked well so yeah Mike thanks thanks for joining us today happy to be here so I, I wanted to start off with as we kind of look at that grid that we kind of talk a, a lot about where do you fall in the grid? Like, what's your personality type fit in there? Um, and maybe what has been your hardest personality type to connect with on a general basis? For sure, yeah, good question. It's, I guess there's some irony to this. I was talking about this earlier this week with someone. I would say in certain situations, I'm a director. And in other situations, I'm a thinker. And I think it really just comes down to the magnitude and the budget. Right. When it's something that's like really like a big budget or a big ticket item, I'm going to be a thinker. I'm going to take my time and move really, really slowly. But if it's something that's well within my budget, I'm going budget versus time. So my goal in that case is to reduce the amount of time it takes if I know it's within my budget and I know it's pretty cheap and I can get her done. So uh, ironically, I think similar to most people, uh, I would find the director as the most difficult to deal with. I think. Um, easier because I've been a director, I can be a director, so I can understand what they're looking for and what they mean. But still, when, when you're trying to have a conversation with you, with somebody, and they just keep rushing you through everything, it can be a bit challenging. Thank you. Yeah, I really liked what you are talking about earlier and when we were having that discussion around how you can actually move in the chart depending on what was going on. I thought that was really key and something for us to remember as we're out there in the field talking to customers that they may start as one piece, but you know, if we give them an estimate that's larger than they expect, they may shift into a different style. And so understanding that, and that's really gonna link well into kind of what I wanna talk to you about today. I really wanna focus in on that first step of opening and really kind of get your advice, your opinions, what's worked well for you and what hasn't worked well for you. And as we know, that opening is that first kind of connection piece where how do we figure out where are they in the grid and we're kind of really figuring out how do we then tailor our message to fit that. So I just wanted to ask you some questions and get, get your advice, get your opinion on some things. So what would you say are your top tips when you're coming in for building trust quickly? Or how do you figure out where do people fit in that when you're going in? Uh, I think just to pick up on something you were saying there, a big piece for me is I would often go in with a budget number in mind. And as long as I don't find the person to be incompetent, or unrelatable, I'll make the decision. If it goes over the budget, that's when I'll jump into thinker mm. mode and, and go, okay, well now I need to do a little bit more research and be a little bit more planful about how I make this decision. And so that's where I really feel like getting a budget, somebody's budget on the table early is super important because then you have a, at least just a general budget, because then you have a bit of a sense of you know, where is this person going to land? Like, are they going to be able to make this decision quickly or is it going to extend the process a little bit? Mm. In terms of uh, your specific question around opening, I usually like to open with 
questions that can be can go either way. So they can be both around competency and around the job or just personal. So things like how long have you lived here? How did you hear about us? So things that can go, if you're talking to a socializer or a relator, can, can easily flow into the person that preferred us or the neighborhood or something very kind of like social and like get to know you. But for the director or, or the thinker, it can also be a bit more strategic because if they go, well, why are you asking that question? I can say, well, generally we find the longer you lived here, the more stuff that you have in the home and the more we need to dig into the to like looking in every closet and just be more planful in that way. And they go, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? But for a director or a thinker, if you start to go into something that's more relatable early, it, it's off-putting for them. So you, so that's why I kind of ride the line and then kind of feel them out and based on how they answer the questions. Do you have any other types of questions that you find really help you figure out where they land on that grid? I really like that question. They asked about how long have you been here and kind of, you know, it gives you that feedback to work with. What are some other good questions that you've had that you've thought of around that? Yeah, I think a real general, like the general stuff, the stuff that kind of starts around that's relating to the job, but really, really open-ended, like, you know, have you used a mover before or um, uh, where did you live before this, right? So stuff that's kind of like, um, where, you know, where is your move going and what's your date and why is it, you know, just kind of like there are details about the job, but you're, you're asking the questions to really listen to the answer. Question is less important than how they answer and what they say. You know, in the case of a director, you're probably going to get uh, a very brief answer and it's going to be related directly to the question. Yeah. So how long have you lived here? The answer is going to be two years or 15 years. It's not going to be like... With silence on the end, right? Exactly, exactly, right? <laughs> Somebody who's a more socializer would say the same thing, but just be like, oh yeah, man, we moved in here like two, three years ago. So they may be a little less precise, and they're going to, they're just going to have a more gregarious response to the question. Somebody who's a thinker would be very precise, and, and maybe even give you a reason. They would go, oh, well, we moved, we moved two years ago because uh, we wanted to get 200 more square feet or 400 more square feet out of a house or something like that. Or we came here from so-and-so and such-and-such. Because such. for them, it's all about the reason. So everything has to have a reason. So they're giving you the reason. You know, the relator may, might also give you a reason, but it's going to be a social reason. Oh, yeah, we, we always wanted to be here. We just love the area, right? Like, they put the whys are kind of going to be different, like whether they're more logical or whether they're more social, I find. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate that. I kind of want to tie that back to what you're talking about when you want to introduce the budget early. So you've kind of had those initial conversations. Talk us through that relational grid and how are you going to phrase that question around the budget and how are you going to respond to that to fit the different relational styles? The director, I think you, you can be fairly direct and just kind of say, hey, do you have a budget in mind for the job? Because they do and they want to hit and they're open to sharing it. That's the beauty of working with a director. As kind of prickly as they can be from time to time, the, the great thing about them is you can ask them direct questions and get direct answers. On the socializer side, you might want to ask something like, how, like, how is this going to fit in with some of the other things that you're doing? Are you doing anything else with your house and it's part of the move? And where does moving fit in your budget and the priorities? It kind of gets them talking about some of their other plans. Oh yeah, we're doing towards the new place. So I would often, 
for somebody who's wanting to kind of going into the relator thing here, for somebody who's looking for something to be a little bit less direct, I would start to ask more of those types of questions. You know, what are in their plans? What else do you have planned for this year? What else are you kind of, without asking what else are you budgeting for, kind of getting an understanding of what else they're budgeting for. An easy question from both standpoints would be, you know, do you have, are you planning to do any rentals at the new place? Just it kind of gives you a sense of, they will answer from two different perspectives again, depending on what kind of person they are. They'll either talk about the cost, if they're kind of like the more, they're below the line and kind of the thinker director, and they'll talk about what they're excited about with the renovation, the colors, the what they've chosen, who they're working with, if they're on kind of above the line in, in the relator socializing piece. So, and kind of from there, you work your way to the budget. If you're not quite getting there, certainly on the more direct line, I would just say, I would give them an approximation like, mm. hey, did you know that typically a house this size is going for a dollar to a dollar twenty-five a square foot? So how many square feet was this home? Oh, 2800 Okay, great. So you're looking at like 2800 to 3200 bucks. They're like, oh, okay, great. And right there, you're like, that fits in, it doesn't fit in. Or they go, whoa. You go, okay. And they're like, hey, so from that point, you just it helps you understand how much explaining do I have to do of the price as mm. we walk through the job? Yeah. One thing, as we're kind of talking, this is tons of really good advice, really, on in my brain. I'm, I'm ticking things. I'm like, man, if I'm ever in this situation again, next time I'm I'm in a home, I'm looking for, for those things. I love how you're relating it back and kind of giving us that out. But I'd love for you to tell us maybe kind of, again, going around that, that circle, what have been some of your times where you've nailed the open and when have been times when you have missed it and what you kind of learned from each piece? I know we've got probably a lot of people listening that are going, ah, oh, I should have, could have done that differently or... You know, maybe there's something that you're going to say now that can stop them on their next estimate tomorrow or the next day from from kind of making the same mistakes. Earlier on in my sales career, it came when I was really just kind of learning sales. I was taught that you build rapport first, then you ask the needs questions, and then you find that common sense of purpose. So I would always just try to build rapport because I felt like they would give me better needs questions, answer my needs questions better, or I'd figure out their needs better once we built rapport. But for somebody who's, you know, a director or a thinker, they really need to know, they don't really care. Like, they don't want to know. So if you're just like asking a lot of rapport questions, for them it just gets super weird. They're just like, I, like, I don't care where you went to school. I don't want to tell you where I went to school. I don't care if you like hockey. I don't want to tell you if I what my favorite sport is. I want to know that my stuff's not going to get broken when you move it from here to there. And that's all, that's what I care about. And if you prove to me that you can do that adequately, then it may take take a personal interest in you, but not until. So just not being a slave to a process, being able to shift your process to the client, which is basically what customer focus selling is all about. Right, so it's kind of me prior to customer focus selling, and just going like, okay, what does this person need, and you know, the, how can I still hit all of the what's called the trust triangle, where you're building a competence, so showing them you know what you're talking about, showing them that you're a nice and likable and trustworthy person, and then also that you have their best interests in mind, in the order that they need you to show them, you know, because for somebody who's a relator, they need to like you before they even care what you do. Because if they don't like you, it doesn't matter if you're the best in the world at what you do, they don't want to work with you. So, 
You know what I liked about that comment? I know for myself, sometimes it's going in and you're trying to have these relational questions and you're hitting a brick wall. And I know in my mind, I was going, oh, this isn't going to be a sale. Like I had that thought that, oh, this guy just doesn't like me. I've done something wrong. But I really love it's a changing the way you think about the situation and going, oh, okay, this is still a great opportunity for sale. Now I know I just need to go to the numbers quick, get in and get out. And that's actually appreciative of them. And coming out the other side, I can be confident in what that looks like, kind of going further down when we're going to investigate and present, knowing that I'm adapting my style now versus a lot of times like, oh, this just isn't going to be, a, I'm just not going to book this job because the guy doesn't like me. I think a big mistake is a lot of us think rapport means talking about something that doesn't have to do with the job. But I think rapport, is, when you really hit rapport, is when somebody feels like this person is similar to me because they're more comfortable with somebody more similar to them. So for a director, and I've seen this happening before where I, I dealt very directly and almost like you know with a relator or a socialist, I might even consider harsh, using harsh language with a director, and kind of by the end of it, they really wanted to get to know me and talk to me and and because they're like, this guy's just like me. We could be friends because he he talks and acts and deals with people in the way I do. So all of a sudden, without having to ask about fishing or hunting or sports, boom, you've built rapport just by not asking about any of those things. Right? That's great. It's such a funny thing to think of. If if the guy's a bit of a jerk, we, we say, if you, you read the situation well and you meet him with that same level of understanding, yeah, you get that instant rapport and you think, I, I've had that a couple of times. How the heck did that happen? And now, now I've got the tool to kind of look back and say, oh, that's because we're relating. And I remember you and I talked about this a while ago when sometimes we think we've built good rapport because maybe someone's a socializer and they're giving tons of personal advice. And we actually haven't even built the rapport with that socializer. They're just more used to being open. So we think, oh, just because they've talked a lot, we've built that trust, which isn't necessarily the case. So could you tell me, Kind of in that situation with the socializer where it's sometimes hard to read because they're so talkative or because they want to be invested into you. What are some tips that you've used to see, okay, I'm actually getting through in terms of selling the job in, in the opening? So the socializer, despite being really willing to talk about them and their life and their kind of personal what's going on for them, they actually really need to know that you're competent. And they need to, obviously they need to move quickly. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to know that their needs are met. So if you go in and you don't address any needs for that person, but you've talked to them for a long time and it was a really fun experience and you really felt like you got along with that person, they're going to go like, yeah, that person's nice, but I'm not sure that they can meet my needs. Where you know you've nailed it is when you're in that pitch or in that close and you're going, so this is what I heard you say. And they're nodding like that is exactly what I said. And this is how we're going to support you in the way you need to be supported for this move. And they're going, that is exactly what I need. That's when you've gone from, yeah, we talked about some stuff. We got along pretty good to I'm going to deliver for you. And this is going to be a great experience for you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mike. That's been fantastic. So as I want to wrap up today, my big takeaways have been Using those questions that you talked about, that how long have you lived here, I think is a great question to figure out where they sit in that circle. And then how they're answering that is going to really tell some things, which I think is fantastic for opening. And I love the piece that really was also impactful for me was when you were talking about those directors. And if they're being direct, the learning for me was, I am not having a bad connection. They don't want connection. And this can go really well by me 
changing how I'm approaching the situation and being very direct with them and getting straight into the nitty gritty. Let's go through the budget. Let's go through the house. That can really come away with a successful, I'm blanking on the word. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I would say it just slightly differently. Mm. I would say that the thing that's confusing with the director is the way you build rapport is to be direct. Mm. Not that they don't want connection, but the way to connect with them is by showing them that you're similar to them. And by being and you're similar to them by being focused on the task at hand and not talking about something that they would think was outside of the scope. So that's why your initial questions are keep them within scope with room mm. to go out of scope. Perfect. As needed. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. So thanks again, Mike. Again, thanks everyone out there for all your hard work. Next week, we're going to be with Mike again on our next episode. And we're really going to dig into that next step of investigation. What does that look like? How do we do that in that circle? So I just really appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks for coming in and we'll see you all next week.